0: For full important safety information visit juviderm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile
1: unlimited premium wireless. Have to get 30 30, bit get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, I bet you get
0: 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. 45 dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full turns at mintmobile.com
2: hello there happy Friday and welcome to episode number 602 of smart podcast trashy books or you know happy whatever day you're listening to this I'm Sarah Wendell and with me today is Jennifer Armantrout. We're going to talk about the books that she considers the foundation of her fantasy romance reading, and we take a long side trip into classic historical romances that we both love. Her newest book, Visions of Flesh and Blood, is out next week, so we're not only looking forward, but we're also looking back like way, way back. We talk about a series that she's paused and why and what it means to update a book that doesn't age well. There's a lot of reminiscing and I hope you enjoy this very meandering conversation as well as all of the recommendations. I would love to know what books you consider the foundations of your fantasy romance reading and under what genres they were listed when you found them way back in the day. Hello and thank you to our podcast Patreon community and a special hello to Houston, who's one of our most recent members. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you. You are keeping me going. You are making sure that every single episode has a transcript that is hand compiled by Garlic Knitter and you're making sure that the episodes are accessible to everyone. Patreon members get some nifty benefits. There are bonus episodes. There's a wonderful Discord. This year we did a Valentine's Day card exchange and it has been delightful. So if you would like to join, it would be wonderful to have you. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Support for this podcast comes from the new graphic novel Age Matters. A hopeless romantic and a reclusive billionaire rewrite the rules of friendship, love, and work in a graphic novel version of the hit webtoon series, Age Matters. Age Matters follows 29-year-old Rose Choi as she decides to pick up her life after her ex-boyfriend cheats on her, then dumps her. In need of employment, she takes over her best friend's odd job to cook and deliver meals. To a mysterious boss, you know where this is going. The boss turns out to be the 23-year-old CEO of Lime, Daniel Yoon. She finds him too abrasive while he finds her too desperate, but they eventually learn to get along with each other and fall for each other. This book collects episodes 1 through 15 of the Webtoon, which had over 3.6 million subscribers and more than 390 million reads. If you love addictive, slow-burn romance, then this is the book for you, and it is just in time for Valentine's Day. Publishers Weekly calls it charming and says it's got plenty of romantic heat. You can pick up your copy of Age Matters, Volume 1, by Angelicious now. And look for other print versions of your favorite hits from Webtoon, published by Webtoon Unscrolled, wherever books are sold. All right, are you ready to get started? We're going to go back in time and forward in time, and we're going to talk about fantasy romance back in the day with Jennifer Armentrout. On with the podcast. What books do you consider like the foundations of fantasy romance that have influenced you as a reader and a writer? What is your like, okay, these are the ones that shaped me?
1: So I think this is actually a harder question to answer because... I, th- because I think fantasy romance and for it, it's like, it's funny that we now have given that a new name. And I'm always like, guys, this is, this has been, been a thing. For it's quite been
2: years. a thing for a very long time, but now we have a name for yeah.
1: it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, this is not new. It's just now more accepted. Like it's, it, that's the difference. Um That was it, exactly it, my reaction to like, oh, yeah. we have a name for that, but that's been around for a while. Yeah. Like, why are we renaming this? It's just that fantasy was always heavily dominated by, you know, male authors with main male characters and you know that was what we know of fantasy where yeah. and also it's almost like fantasy was not allowed to have any type of you know happy ending or have romance that somehow made it less than you mm-hmm. know having that but it's always been there always. it's just always it's been actually put into the paranormal category is where you usually found it or at one time as you will know urban fantasy oh yes it was what i think we call contemporary fantasy now i don't because i don't think they call it that now uf and and that's where you found it it's it was always there um, so for me, it's hard to say to pick one book, um, and say that's what shaped, shaped it. I mean, of course, you're going to have like, you know, Sarah's book, Sarah Mass's, uh, like A Court of Thorn and Roses, like that series. But for me, it also is the paranormal. Like most of your fantasy actually relies very heavily on paranormal. That's very like true. So it's, so a lot of parent, just, just regular paranormal books is what inspired me. Plus, I, my favorite genre will always likely be historical romance. That is my go-to. That is my, like, when I'm, when I'm working, that is when I'm reading. Usually, I feel like you do see a little bit of that or sometimes a lot of historical context in your fantasy where you could see, I could honestly see historical authors easily making that jump.
2: Oh, for sure. Because a lot of fantasy yeah. re- requires yeah. very a rigid knowledge. social yeah. structures, very yeah. rigid um, movement between classes. And a fantasy, you have to have a history to make the world building accurate. I totally agree.
1: And, and and too, it's like you're also having authors who are able to write in a world that they do not live in. So it's like, and that is That, that is difficult because when you're writing contemporary, you have the contemporary world, you have, you you have the world that you can rely back on. But when you're creating something that took place 100, 300 years ago or something that doesn't exist, you're having to build that in a way that people can see that and visualize it usually in their head. And so I think historical authors would probably really kick-ass at fantasy. But I think for me, it's it was paranormal. It, it was paranormal from when I was a teen, reading L.J. Smith, <laughs> um, like, you know, all the way from that, reading up, reading Joanna Lindsay. Um, and just that is really what shaped my love of that type of world and having the paranormal element. Because you do see in most of your fantasies there are paranormal elements that are in them, whether it's the type of uh the beings that you're dealing with or special abilities. Th- these books existed. They always did. They were just called paranormal. Yep. Um, at one time. They were just looped because you couldn't have romance in a fantasy. Oh. that's why. Like yep. you it, this is not new. No. You just can't have it like it was just no go. They and it went once you your your book went to a bookstore, they saw uh, it was written by someone who, who looks like they may have a lady name and it had romance and you went immediately into paranormal and nine times out of 10 they also put you into young adult. Yep. Yeah, and that, there was this weird overlap, <laughs> right? Yep. Very and weird. so now they don't do that anymore. So it's so that's why you now have this this genre, I guess. <laughs>
2: so. It's so it's so interesting to have been in this industry for so yeah. long. And then you see a trend come back, and you're like, "Oh, but we've did this before." Yeah. Like when I started Smart yeah. Bitches in 2005, paranormal was it. It was vampires and werewolves yeah. all the way down. And then you had the urban fantasy, and you knew it was urban fantasy because there was a girl on the cover with leather pants right. and the and studded she had, like, a belt
1: dagger or a gun, a or she had dagger, a gun
2: in her hands. And yeah. there was that one belt. They all wore the same belt with the metal square studs. It was the urban and fantasy there was a
1: city behind them. Yes, and it was Pretty dark. Sure, like one of my books has a cover just like that. Exactly. What? Exactly.
2: And that was that was it. And everyone yeah. was hot for vampires and werewolves. And that's what was selling. Since you, you, you
1: again, you've, you've been doing this longer than I have. So I'm going to test my theory on you. My theory is that whenever the real world gets too real, like whenever there's too much going on in the real world, where it's whether it's like a horrific disaster that happens, economic strife, anything like that. You find that readers then will tend to really want true escapism. Yeah. they want the fantasies, they want the vampires, the werewolves, the the fae, the historical times. They don't want really anything that resembles their life at that moment. Yep. And then when things are really good, when things are, you know, you look at towards your late two thousands, right. When the economy is looking good for the most part, I mean, I don't know, there were some moments there too with the economy, but you know, overall, like things are starting to look good. Things are starting to improve. You start to see a swing back towards contemporary. Yep, I And I, that is agree. my theory that that is when you see, that is how you can do your trends. Look at the world you're currently in and that can almost guarantee to tell you what is going to trend. And also understanding that, and if I could ever give like a message to any author, just because something's trending does not mean the opposite is no longer read. It's like people always still look for this. It's just what's going to happen is you're going to have outliers, right? That are going to go through the roof that are going to be like the biggest selling books at all time. And so then you're going to think, oh my God, everybody's got to be writing contemporary. Everybody's got to be writing fantasy. No, it's just It's just these books (laughs) and then they're going to raise more books like them. But people are still looking
2: for the other type. It's just it's It's just not the most popular thing. And I had a campaign. I had a campaign with Dear Author called Save the Contemporary. I think, okay. first of all, I think contemporary is fine right now. I think it's been saved it's good we're good yep
1: and also when you said it's like when you said dear author i'm like oh gosh i'm having a flashback like in a good way to like like it's just like so many, it's like you realize how long you've been doing this you're oh like my oh gosh. my gosh dear author there's yeah and i'm trying you know there's just so many blogs that oh my gosh like i just think back sometimes and i'm like oh man
2: the, the fact that i'm still around every year like every year yeah. when i file my taxes and i file my annual report with the state i'm like still here Still going. Oh, yeah. Just paid my hoster. You know,
1: you've also adapted. Like, you know what I mean? Like you've seen that, like, like doing like the podcast and things like that, mm-hmm. doing Patreon, like things were changing. Like, and I think that, you know, is one of the main, you know, not main, but helps when you're doing that. But yeah, that is my, my, my theory is that you see, when you look around you, that's when you see, when you start seeing these upticks in certain genres. And, yes. Um,
2: and that and homogeny the, is the enemy and yeah. conforming is the enemy. And you mm-hmm. still have individuals who form groups to overtake a negative authority. Like that is a consistent theme, but you see more of it in a much more dramatic and massive way yeah. immediately following scary stuff. And it's also, it's really hard to write contemporary romance, I think, right now, because do you include COVID or do you not? Oh, Are my you-
1: gosh, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> i was writing, I had this other series that's a sci- like a sci-fi series, mm-hmm. and um, it was, you know, gearing up, like three of the books came out in it. And um, I was introducing like it has to do with it was a spinoff from my luck series. And so it had to do with like aliens and uh, basically like the world, you know, we um, like we've been experimenting on them, creating like, you know, serums and stuff to improve humans and all started from someplace good. Right. Mm-hmm. Because these aliens in my series, they didn't get sick. And so it all started from a good place. Of this is
2: the Darkest Star, right? The origin yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, so those with poor, yeah, and um, and it all
1: started from like this good place of these good. Because you know, I feel like some of the worst evils started from somebody in there. Not everybody, because there's some people I just believe were just born bad. <laughs> but then there, you know, but like it is. But usually, it starts from one little speckle of good. Like I want to eradicate cancer or something like in, in my world and that had built and, but then it just capitalism. It's, which came in ultimately and was like, but we can use this from the military. We can, we can create soldiers out of this. And so things had spiraled in there, but one of the things that they were doing basically is like, you know, I kind of modeled it after real of like history like when some of the things that have always like destabilizes countries which always makes them better for takeovers or a new regime to rise from that is mm-hmm. destabilization and one of the the biggest destabilizers are usually natural events so if you can't create weather events the next best thing was <laughs> like a pandemic so in that series <clears throat> yeah like <laughs> so in that series they um manufactured a um a virus a flu and uh basically if you had gotten the flu vaccine um you were there was something it- yeah, I hate it. And again, I don't believe this. I don't believe this at all. <laughs> I have chills now because I'm like, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, like, I don't I don't believe in this, but this is what I created that if you had gotten the flu vaccine, there's something in the flu vaccine that basically would de- deter, like would see how it reacted in your body. And if you survived that, like if you, it, some people it would have made okay. Other people, once they released this virus, it would have killed them. Oh boy. And it, basically they were weeding out the weakest, but at the same time, creating a destabilizing event yeah or the cities like the you know oh god like this again this is i don't believe this <laughs> i mean i so like but like creating like the really like you know the shadow government the people who in my world who do run things to finally step in and take control and um so the series was leading up to that it was already written pre-2020 and then covet happened and <laughs> it was the and the thing was, it, it was eerie because some of the things that was happening in the beginning had already happened in the book, and where it was like these pockets of things you were starting to hear about, and people, and then people downplaying it, and then other people being like, "No, something they wouldn't shut down an entire apartment building, like something bad is happening," and it it, it just it made it, and I still have been unable to finish that series oh gosh
2: no of course
1: i have to because i don't feel comfortable because the final book would have been the fallout because the virus had already been released Mm -hmm. and um and of course in my book the virus was obviously much more deadlier um but i didn't feel right like no i completely understand. understand and like my husband's grandfather passed away from it so you know we have you know obviously a very close family member who had died from it and it just it just didn't feel you know what i mean like i it's like you're take even though i know i'm not i created this before this happened yeah I, but you know i based it off like the spanish influenza like i and, and the worst part is oh my god like even in the beginning oh gosh before covid there were I had one of the doctors who was doing RNA. No. Oh my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) So I know like a stupid amount about viruses and actually how viruses, you know, because she, before the, before the alien invasion happened in the previous series, um, she worked in biochemistry because you know how they're actually creating viruses to target cancers, like like creating in like nanotechnology basically. And so it was like all this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh. am i psychic? i'm like am I, psychic? I don't know what's happening i'm like because this is so weird but it's because that technology and a lot of stuff has always been there yep but it never got used like you know they couldn't get the funding off the ground for rna technology and you know everybody's freaking out about that it's like guys that's been around for a while oh yeah i've been on that stuff for decades oh yeah it's just it's expensive to do and you know and so um but yeah it, it, so I, I just have to like yeah, I felt like I had to kind of basically <laughs> rewrite the plot somehow, like because I was like, I can't do it this way because also I don't want because I I wrote this way with like the flu vaccine and not really thinking anything about it or, or thinking hmm, this is so you know I'm so you know this is going to be so creepy, but now knowing that there is so much misinformation about vaccines out there now, yes, even though I'm writing completely. Made up shit. Yes. I don't want to add to that. I don't want to add to that. I don't want people to think that I believe that. (laughs) So so it became this like, like, what is it? Real, realer than fiction moment of how do I back myself now out of this? Yep. How do I, and tour has been amazing because they, because even my editor there at that time was like, What the hell? Like you know, it was like we were because she saw like the synopsis too, and and she like completely. She was like, "We can't do this right now. We we can't." No, because I was like, "I don't feel right doing this. Like I don't feel right continuing down that path, knowing that it's still here. People are still dying. A lot of people are still dying from it. Nurses and doctors and first responders are still very traumatized." Yeah. What they'd had to do and still having to see and do. Yeah, this wasn't and, fantasy anymore.
2: This wasn't yeah, was fiction like, yeah, anymore.
1: So I'm still trying to figure out how to close that out without exploring it. But that was we went way off track there. <laughs> but that's like probably one of my most bizarre writing moments I think I've ever had. Where it's like I'm literally writing something or had written something that's coming true, yep. and it's like it's like if you ever watched Veep.
2: Yes. Oh my yeah. God. I
1: can't even tell you how many times I was like wait a minute, didn't that happen in Veep two years ago?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, Who's say, writing like, this season? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, wait a minute, like that happened. And yet it, it fits with what we've been talking about, that everything comes back, everything returns. I call it the the Bruce Springsteen theory of publishing. Everything dies, <laughs> but maybe everything that dies someday comes back. We yeah. went through this same pattern of behavior with the Spanish flu. We yeah. went through the same, oh no, you you can't do that. You, you there There was always a... A anti-movement towards treatment and public health at that time, just like there is now. Anti-vaxxers have always been around. They just got more popular and connected over social media and became louder. But that has always been a subset of society. And now everything, everything that has happened before will happen again. And so you you just you were real close with that prediction there. I'm I'm assuming you play the lottery often.
1: I do not. I feel like (laughs) <laughs> because you know what the other funny thing is it was just so hilarious and this kind of went viral like on during the early stages of the pandemic like this actual part of the one of my older books like people like it just took off in life of its own was and again i don't believe this no. i am not the person to do this but i'm like people really won't do this so in the luck series the the, the the original series of this world the aliens, spoiler alert, whatever, eventually invade. Like the rest of, because there's aliens already here. They've been hiding. But then the rest of them are like, well, we're coming. We're going to yep. make this bitch our home. Yep. <laughs> like, so they're coming. And they're not exactly friendly. And um, so people are panicked, panicking, right? So the main character, Katie, they're going to the grocery store and she's looking around like chaos everywhere. He realizes that there is toilet paper. And so I have her say something like, well, I know the first thing I'll be buying is toilet paper. Me no. The first thing I'm going to be buying is shit like water, like you know, like but also like whatever. But then, and this book came out like 2015, 2016, probably years later, people had got that little bit of dialogue and it just went like, and I was like, oh my god, it's like again the same se- world. Like I was like, I, I don't. That's not my fault. No, nope.
2: <laughs> this, but um, you're just writing human nature. Yeah, human accurately nature. predicting
1: what humans will do. <laughs> Because it is kind of a running thing when you think about, oh God, like when you're watching like, you know, post-apocalyptic shows, you're like, do they have toilet paper? Do they have tampons? What do you do for maxi pads? Right. I'm always wondering that. I'm like, are you <laughs> like I do like The Last of Us and on the yes, That they actually showed her using like, a cup. Can, yeah, grab that the cup. That was funny. Because she was just like, what the, oh, <laughs> it's like yeah. like learning about that. But I do like that because it's something that was kind of crossed my mind about that. And why does everybody in a post-apocalyptic TV show have amazing white teeth?
2: What is with that?
1: Like, come on, put some yellow on their teeth, people. Like, that, that just takes me out. When you, when I see that, I'm just like, why are their teeth whiter than mine? Well, the, the the, 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 apocalypse. To be zombies
2: everywhere. <laughs> the like, apocalypse has spared the dentistry industry, specifically the dentists that have teeth whitening t- components to their practice. <laughs> but then maybe you could they win it. Like, they're, they're eating less sugar now. So they're having less, less. processed foods. Who knows? So, uh, you, um,
1: you, but like, it, it, that's just the weird thing I think about sometimes when you are writing. It's like you don't know like how much of it can come true. Yes.
2: <laughs> now, you mentioned that you love Joanna Lindsay. I, I, I also love Joanna mm-hmm. Lindsay. Do you have a favorite Joanna Lindsay that you reread oh, a lot? Oh,
1: gosh, I know. And I, I was, you know, t- t- many of these did not age well. No, gonna, but the one that I more. love
2: the most has aged terribly. Wait till I tell you about it.
1: I think mine oh is probably Hearts of Flame. Oh, that's a good one. I think that's the one. That's the one of Kirsten, right? She's a Viking who, like, because I, I get it's, it's, I get some of them confused because there was, because, you know, she had a bunch of those families. Like, the one is the Conqueror and the Rose, I think, or the Wolf in the Rose. Yeah. Or the Conqueror. I'm thinking
2: of the one, I think. Yeah, that's her Hearts name, Flame. Heart of Flame. Beautiful and yeah. defiant Kirsten.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honest, oh God, it's so bad. I mean, like in a way of holding up to, you know, of today's, like in, well, there's some stuff in there, but I don't know. I just loved it. I always, I mean, I honestly, I, I was reading Joanna Lindsay when I was 12 and 13. Yep. Because we didn't have young adult like they do now. We had basically RL Stein, Christopher Pike and a few other, right, that you could read. And, and it wasn't that much. You would go into Walden books. It would just be like one shelf, yeah. like one book. Of books and that's Unless it. you
2: wanted to read like Sweet Dreams and Sweet Valley High.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which and was that, soap and,
2: opera you know, books.
1: Yeah. And I was like, you know, I was reading probably, I was reading higher than, you know, what I was, should have been reading. But my mom, I mean, she was she was a huge proponent of reading and she didn't care that I was reading it. So, I mean, and, and you know, I always tell people, it's like, look, I was reading Joanna Lindsay at 12 years old. I turned out fine, yep. <laughs> like you know. I may have had a little bit higher than normal expectations for sex, you know, and then was like, Oh, it's not really like that, <laughs> where you're like soaring through the clouds, and you know, so like that. But like, it's uh, that hearts of flame. That God, there was a car there's so many. Um, Brenda Joyce, uh, is another one, and I always say her name wrong, Gillian Foley. Gillian Foley is g-a-l-e-a galen foley galen yeah that's
2: how yeah. i've always said it in my head galen foley yeah. yeah Yeah. oh my gosh the duke the lord ice the lord of fire oh my god they're my favorite <laughs> that was my first i think galen foley was the first book i ever re- read with a princess falling in love with her bodyguard and i was yeah. i was too young to be reading that but i just remember being like oh oh my word
1: and there's a couple of, like, there's really, like, historicals that really go back into time. Oh, yeah. It does have fantasy vibes to us, right? They really because do. we can't, like, because we can't even comprehend a world like that now, right? Where you actually have legitimate knights running amok, and you got all this stuff going on. You see a lot of that fantasy now, and that, that always kind of seems like a fantasy vibe to me. What was your favorite, Joanna
2: Lindsay? It's so problematic. It is so <laughs> deeply problematic. And I and I reread it, I and, prob- and there's a part of me that reads it and goes, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh god." And there's a part of me that's like, <laughs> "Yes, okay." So my favorite Joanna Lindsay that I can reread anytime and it works every time is Silver Angel.
1: Okay, what, so what was the character's name? I'm I know I've read it. I just have to always like. They kind of blur together. Afterwards.
2: Oh, they do. They do. Because, I mean, if, especially if you read Bertrice Small, which has been called Fucking Through History Books. Yeah, Bertrice Small was here to take you to the Tudor era of the world where everyone was having good sex and nobody had body hair. It was pretty wild. But yeah, like, so, It's
1: like, guys, let's not talk about the fact that they only could, ba- like, bathing at that time was considered. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, you think um, about, like, um <laughs> a knight in shining armor. When the heroine goes back in time in a knight in shining armor, she invents a shower. <laughs> And cleans her teeth. I'm like, go ahead, girl. So, Silver Angel. Whew, okay, Silver Angel. The heroine's name was Chantal, and the original cover was oh, this watching. guy I, I on top of her, and her hair is just spilling over. Yeah, the, I could see the cover. Oh, yeah, and she's okay. So there's there's twins, and one of them is a chic. I've just wandered straight yep. into problematic territory and yep. she is k- kidnapped and sold into slavery but I, the but sheik it's the guy who's pretending to be the brother right right is his secret twin who happens to be an English lord of course he I is I do like that one too So he's pretending to be the sheik but he really likes her but he's got to up all the other wives or they're going to get mad and he can't do it because he loves her and there's a scene where all of the eunuchs like depilate her like they pluck all her body hair yeah.
1: I, oh, I know I read this. I read this. I mean, I haven't read this one in a long time, but that scene has stuck with me and actually has inspired a scene in Fall of Raw and Ruin.
2: No, get out of town.
1: And she has to be, you know, I don't, where she says, I've already been waxed, but she's being bathed, prepared. That scene has stuck in the back of my head no! all of these years no because my God. I don't because I think that probably was one of the first times I read right when that was even shown right because it was really never discussed like body hair was never discussed no and it was kind of like this you know suddenly being presented with this idea that there were different cultures to have these different views obviously on body hair right yeah Keep in mind, when we was reading this, you didn't have the internet. No. <laughs> like, like who was this? Um, but yeah, I know exactly what
2: scene. Cause I remember being like, what? And I <laughs> and then remember then, reading that. And I have dark hair and I have fair skin. So I'm a hairy I'm, person. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, how come all the heroines in history never have body hair? Her smooth legs? How come her legs are smooth and mine aren't? And they all have flat stomachs and they all have perfect teeth and long legs. And I was like, well, something's wrong with me. Silver Angel is one of like, it just imprinted on my soul in a number yep. of ways. That book is, it is so problematic on so many oh, levels. Most of them are. But they oh, my are. God. And yet I reread them and I'm like, yep, suddenly I'm 12 years old and I know I should not be reading this book.
1: Yeah, and it's, um I, I that book, I do remember. As soon as you said that, I was like, there were two brothers. Yes. And, and then one was hiding, you know, basically pretending to be the other. But they're, oh my gosh, like, there were, I think Joanna Lindsay also had one with the one of the Czars of Russia, like where he just pretty much like just picked her up off the street and like kidnapped her. like it was it one of the princes as I think that was Lindsay Joanna, and that may have been one of the other ones um but again, it was the things like nowadays where you're like, oh God
2: <laughs> like, oh know? yeah.
1: And I I am, I, and I will die on the hill. I'm sorry, I will die on the hill that those types of books are not causing men to go out there and kidnap women. Um, you know, they are not. They are not causing that, no. and they're not causing women to think it's okay for that to happen. Yeah. It's fantasy because a lot of, and coming from a psycholo- psychological um, standpoint people do have women do have those fantasies. Oh, Men absolutely. It's
2: things. a way of it is a way of yeah. negotiating the peril right. that is in real life.
1: Yeah. Then there are the other stuff in there that I always that
2: yeah are really <laughs> like well, this is super racist. It's yeah, so. so racist. And yeah. all of the chic harem historicals, there were so many, right? Yeah. Because there's another one that's popping into my head and I can't think which one
1: it was where she was she was hiding because they would have like i think these kind of reminds you of the stuff that you see at when when you do confession at catholic places where they have like these screens that you can kind of like see through a little bit mm-hmm. and so they had like the the main wife the main like it was i just there's another one i can't think of what it is it's stuck in my head that um like the main wife is trying to, and that may have been Silver Angel actually. It was trying to kill her.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a jealous. There's a jealous. Um. There's a jealous woman who's very angry, and yeah. she does not realize that the hero is not her husband. Yep. That he's in hiding, and you know his. How are How are they twins? How How are they? <laughs> you know, sciences didn't exist then. Joanna Lindsay just wrote magic, right? Like it was yeah, you just. Didn't
1: you didn't question it. You no. just bought. And, and you know there there was one there was a one of the um, uh, I think it's one of Foley's books where um, they get to the point where it's a lot of the uh, gosh what's it called the um, the the I'm gonna say it wrong like the Western Spice East India Company oh the Dutch East India oh, yeah which is whew, <laughs> that's that's another thing that you really don't learn about in school and you know that oh my God yeah Galen
2: Foley wrote a whole trilogy the spice trilogy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there was one of the books and I don't think it was a part of that one. I think it may have been like it was a part of the the main series that she had but it could have been one of the books that spun off into that series like mm-hmm. showing them. And I will say there was one there there was one of them where she was probably the first one I read that actually handled it like a bit realistically where the it was not showing the english the french in good lights or the Dutch at all like it was showing and and it didn't have like the white savior undertone in it either it was it was something that she had it actually shown kind of in the background happening yeah that you know and having the the main characters realize that this is not okay you know that we're doing but it was that is another book that stuck in my head because again it's not something they covered in school like what this this actually did and what this meant for people and the the colonization
2: that came from it and yeah and that's happening now with legislature legislators determining what can and cannot be taught about actual history yeah it's wild right and you're so right that when you read these older historicals they read like fantasy novels yeah yeah and when you see that fantasy reflected in reality, it is so jarring. It is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there, was, there has been some books that I'm not going to say the author's name, um, but there was one of them, because uh, I'm not sure if I'm correct. I'm not sure if it's the book I'm thinking of. But there was a contemporary book that was written in the late 70s, early 80s that I had read ages ago and really, really liked. And then I picked it up again a couple of years ago and read it. Mm-hmm. And stuff that was in it, The Homophobic the blatant racist undertones Mm -hmm. that you like I did not even catch. Like, you know, and then I will say I'm glad I read it because I'm glad I read it then and I'm glad I read it now because it helped me also realize that how did I like how you know blind is the best word I could think of that a lot of us are if we don't live that life, if we haven't experienced that, Mm -hmm. that we are what's right in front of us. And I mean I remember reading it and just being shocked. Like Again and then realizing no one has even updated this like and I'm sorry it's it's pretty like I know a lot of people have their feelings about that but this is so bad that if I was the author I don't oh my God we need up to update this file yes because none of it none of it pertained to the plot none of it mattered
2: if you can remove it from the book and it does not change the book yep you will remove it right I it's, have the same feelings about yeah, the Grand yeah. Sophie by Georgette Hare there's one chapter where she goes to a Jewish moneylender and it is just, this is the anti-Semitism chapter. Here yeah. <laughs> it is. And I'm like, you and, and and people will ask me, like, you know, which which hairs do you love? And I mean, okay, first of all, there are some abridged hairs narrated by Richard Armitage, and I can listen to those anytime because wow. Oh, he's good at books. But if someone asks me about that book, I'm like, when you get to the chapter and she's going to the money, you can just skip it. Just skip to the next chapter. It does nothing to the story. There's nothing important to the plot. It's just, I'm going to put the anti-Semitism chapter yeah. here. And it's like, but 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 it doesn't do anything except be racist. Like, yeah, that's the like, whole point. When you look at the our generation, especially, and older, this
1: stuff was on TV. Oh, it, it was, was everywhere. It was Everybody. Nobody questioned it. And that doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make it right. But what it did is it helped put in a lot of this unconscious bias into people that they do not realize they have. They aren't necessarily willing to confront it sometimes no. to really acknowledge that, yeah, you're not actively discriminatory. You're not actively racist. You're not actively biased. However, however, beliefs that were put into you because everybody was showing it it was in so, the
2: atmosphere it's yeah, like it was like a palm olive you were soaking in it
1: i mean that's where the whole thing the whole phrase of that didn't age well came from yep basically yep. it's realizing things that we accepted and did not question yep. was not okay oh yeah and you know, and, and that's one thing that you it's like you think about what reading has done for people it's it's like you realize that sometimes that Wow, like you learn, like you learn what I mean. I I even look about like right having written over 10 years now. There are things that I put in my books 10 years ago that I've had removed mm-hmm. from my books now that I've actually gone back, asked the publishers, and they've always been amazing with doing that. Like, and honestly, I can tell you right now that I don't think this is a secret. A lot of the publishers are actively. Um, uh, doing sensitivity reads on their backlists.
2: Yes, I have heard and, that. Yeah. I have heard and, that.
1: And they're pulling and, you know, and ultimately they do leave it up to the author. They leave it up to the author. No. I mean, at least the publishers I work with, if you want to change this or not. And, you know, and there's been times where there'd be things that I may not understand. Like, but then I realized, wait a minute, Jen, I am not the person who gets to decide that. <laughs> like, You yep. know what I mean? Like, I'm, I may not... I may not be seeing what somebody else may be seeing.
2: Yeah. That's not your bruise. Yeah. No one's pushing on that bruise on you. And again, and
1: especially in in nine times out of 10, none of this stuff affects the plot, the character development. These are just things that inherently were in the backs of our minds that we never thought was a problem. And one of the best examples I can give them for myself personally was in one of my books, the character made a comment, um, like uh you're acting like Rain Man, you know. That's what I had in the book. So, and again, I'm a, I was born in the '80s. uh the, Dustin Hoffman, I think, played that character. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman was Rain Man. That movie was yeah. massive, absolutely massive. massive. Tom Cruise and him, and it, he was never diagnosed. It was never there was never a diagnosis for him, right? Yeah. But obviously, apparently, as we get older, I think people have realized he probably was autistic. Dustin Hoffman's character,
2: yeah, certainly neurodivergent um, in some way. Yeah some way and we didn't even have that word back then i don't think no no no. we just lumped
1: all the neurodivergence into one group yeah Yeah. (laughs) they were they they were just one group and a lot of that and again that's another hill i'll die on like some of them shouldn't even be underneath mental illness brackets agree because they are totally these are totally different things but uh it's but again i you know i wrote that not even thinking like not even thinking and then you know, X amount of time later, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm like, like, you know, a a reader had actually brought it up and, and it was, it is, it took a moment for me to understand like, okay, that was, that was bad. And, and, and again, it's like, there was no ill intention on my part. Right. But it was realizing, okay, that's a misstep. That's something I need to fix. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and going back and having all the old files, like updated to remove it. And, and there's things like that, that I think that people just, gets, you know, it's human nature to always be, to be defensive. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's the human nature to come off on a defense, but lots of times, and anyways, the whole thing when I removed that, it didn't change anything. It was, it, it was unnecessary. It
2: didn't change the book at all. Other than it's going to do less
1: harm to people.
2: Yeah. And, you know you know, when you know better, one way in which you do better is to, update things that you may have done wrong and make it and be like, hey, and I mean, you see that on like uh, television shows, like you'll see old reruns on on Disney and and they'll put or on uh, on streaming services and they'll put like a placard. Please understand that this cartoon reflects views of that time and they are not OK. And it's like everyone has to figure out how to negotiate their work. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's and, you know, and I think that people always like Want to say, oh, people
2: being too sensitive. It's, Mm -hmm. it's
1: not being too
2: sensitive. No, it's being caring. Sorry. That's a problem.
1: (laughs) I really think that we probably are not sensitive enough to other people's needs. That's, that is actual the reality. Um, but it's, but I do think with writing and, and that's one thing too, with romance, romance, there is so much you learn from it that has nothing to really to do sometimes with the romance aspect or not, but it's because romance is one of the genres that creates such realistic characters.
2: Absolutely true. Whether it's, it's all character work.
1: fantasy, Yes, it's all. And and it's like, you know, you can be reading a fantasy and forget that you're in a fantasy. You can be reading a paranormal and forget that you're in the paranormal. And I think that it has, it does so much in terms of explo- exposing you to other beliefs mm-hmm. or sometimes realizing, wait a minute, if I have a problem with this happening in this this book and this is fake, then I should maybe have a problem with the way we treat refugees (laughs) in the real world. You don't say. Yeah. And so it's I think that is what that's the power of these types of books. And I think it is often, often unfortunately, forgotten by media all the time. (laughs) All the time. That's the power of these books is that people are being exposed to things and learning while they're reading something that also makes them feel good. And people tend to learn and change that way I than agree. they do any other ways. And it's the power of those books.
2: That is fabulous. Thank you so much for doing this. It has been such a delight. I I had such yeah. a good time and I, I love that we totally vibe on the same level of, yeah, it's a problem, but I still love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't even like calling calling them your guilty reads, but I do think they are probably the guilty reads. Like, like I, because we. But here's the thing: I, I think that
2: you can read it. Yes, you have two minds in, while you're reading, and you
1: know you're, you, you know what's wrong. And honestly, when you're reading stuff like that at that young of age, it does help you recognize in real life when it's wrong like earlier probably and more easier than some people because you you have been exposed to things that you may yes. never have been exposed to in your town growing up like but you've seen it in you know a Reddit. so I, I do think yes they
2: serve their purpose empathy is never wasted and romances are all about empathy empathy is never wasted And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I will link to all of the books that we talk about in this episode. There were many, and I'm really curious. Do you have a favorite deeply problematic Joanna Lindsay novel? Do you have a historical that you love and can read with two minds at the same time, your present brain going, oh, and your past brain going, oh, yeah, it still works on me. I I know I'm not alone in that. I would love to know what your foundational historical romance and fantasy romance titles are. It would be so cool to know which ones got you started or which ones you look back on and go, oh, wait, yeah, romanticy. It's been here a while. I always end with a bad joke. This week's joke comes from J.F. Hobbit through our Valentine's Day card exchange. What did they call sunrise in prehistoric times? Give up? What did they call sunrise in prehistoric times? Megalodon. One thing I love online is when people post pictures of the sunrise from different parts of the world. So I'm going to just tag them all. Megalodon. <laughs> thank you, JF Hobbit. And thank you so much for listening. It is it is really an honor to keep you company. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.